listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to jump into this today. Take a minute to share it if you haven't yet. Um, Very important subject, how to extend your life on the earth. Proven ways from scripture to extend your life on the earth. And obviously, God wants you to have a long life. So let me me ask you from just a, a... a normal perspective, right? Um, if you're working for the Lord, you know, obviously every one of us is in the service of God. So if you're working for the Lord and he's given you a purpose, he's given you a call, which every one of you have a purpose and a call. Um, here's the question. Do you think God wants you working for him for a short period of time? Or do you think God wants you to work for him for a long period of time? Obviously, He wants you to work for him for a long period of time. How do I know that? Well, even Jesus told his disciples, he said, the harvest is plenteous, but what? The laborers are few. So if we've got a a plenteous harvest to reap, then understand this. Number one, we don't have enough workers, Jesus said. And obviously the work, there's a lot of work to be done. We need to be working for an extended period of time. And obviously we're going to work either until Jesus comes or we're going to work until we die and go to be with the Lord. But God wants us working for a long time and he wants us to work long and strong. He wants us to live long and strong. Look in the word too. I mean, look at the life of Moses, for example. The Bible says Moses got to the end of his life, 120 years old. And the Bible says that his eyesight never dimmed, nor was his strength abated, meaning he didn't diminish in strength. He didn't die because he was weak. He was strong when he died, the Bible says. He was strong when he died. You know, people ask me that. Well, if I, you know, you always preach never-ending increase. You know, you always preach that we're going to get greater, greater, greater. But if that's the case, if you believe in that healing, if you believe in that never-ending increase, how will somebody ever die? Well, let me tell you something. You don't have to be sick to die. You don't have to be weak to die. You can literally run your race, finish your course, and give up the ghost. You can run your race, finish your course, and you can die like Moses, strong. He was strong in his body. Strength never abated. And his eyesight never dimmed. So you you get this picture of Moses. He wasn't hobbling around on the earth. You know, they had had Moses in a nursing home. He's in there eating vanilla pudding and going to bed at 7 p.m. Moses was strong. And Moses had his uh, faculties in order. You look at Caleb. Caleb was a man of faith. In fact, those of you that are watching, I want you to put in the comments like Korah did. You don't have to be sick to die. Put it in the comments. You don't have to be sick to die. Very important that we understand this because we think in the natural realm, well, you know, when we're younger, we're strong, we're really moving. But as we get older, you know, we start having physical problems. I mean, that's, that's how people think. There's my nephew, Alex Iaquinto. Love you, buddy. That's how people think. Oh, I get older. You know, that's when I start having physical problems. And that's when I start getting weak. 
I'm sure one day I'll be on a walker and I'll be taking all kinds of medications and I'll be in it by the, by sometime they're going to have to take care of me. That's how people think. I think about my great grandmother who lived to be in her nineties. She was in her mid nineties. Mom, dad, if you're still watching, what age did Grammy Crawford pass away? Was she 96, 95? How, how old was she? Put that in the comments. If, if you, if you're still on, um, I think of this woman that was my great grandmother who lived in Northern Maine and she didn't have somebody uh, caring for her. She lived by herself. She lived by herself, vacuuming her own carpet, cooking her own meals, planting her own garden, harvesting her own blueberries, you know, literally doing her own laundry and lived in a place by herself in Holton, Maine, uh, until she passed away. And she was in her mid-90s when she passed away. And I'd come up there, and, and we'd visit her in the summers. 93 she was. So 93 years old, still doing her own thing. And she's still vacuuming. I'd get up there, we'd knock on the door, she'd be inside. She'd be vacuuming, going around singing a song, and she's vacuuming the floor. Uh, in her in her apartment, she was like four foot one. She was like a hobbit. She was like a little Irish hobbit, and she's up there vacuuming her floor, singing unto the Lord. She'd be watching Red Sox games on television with her little Boston Red Sox hat on, and she'd be yelling at the umpires from the from the Lazy Boy chair. Ninety three years old, you know, she didn't have to get sick and die. She didn't have to, you know, go into a nursing home. She didn't have to catch a disease. She didn't have to, you know, no. She was literally still praising the Lord, still serving the Lord, still sowing seeds, still doing her thing, 93 years old. And that's my point. And I want you to put it in the comments. You don't have to be sick to die. And people think that you do. You know, people think that, oh yeah, you know, you, that's how it works. You get older and then buddy, you start getting weaker and then you start getting sick and then you start getting on uh, you know, you start getting on medication and all. it doesn't have to be your story. Absolutely not. And so this is what I want to show you. I'm going to give you four things from the word of God that are proven biblical, supernatural ways for you to have a long extended life on the earth. God wants you to have a long extended life on the earth. He said with long life, will I satisfy you? With long life will I satisfy you. So you understand that not only is it something God said in his word, but number two, it makes logical sense that if there's a lot of work to be done, if the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few, then obviously God needs people working long and working strong. So take a minute, share it if you haven't. We're going to jump in. And uh, I originally was going to give you three. That's why it's that way in the title. But I'm going to give you four because God gave me another one uh, before, we, before I finish studying. So number one, I want you to check this with me. Go, go with me to Ephesians chapter six. Very important scripture. And it's very important because you can see as we'll read it, it's the first commandment that was ever given that also had a promise attached to it. The first commandment by God given that also had a, um, a, pro a promise attached to it. So Ephesians chapter six, we're going to read verses one through six. And the first way to extend your life on the earth is to honor your father and mother. 
That's number one. Put it in the comments. Number one, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Listen to what the word of God says in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So you see that this is the promise of God. If you will honor your father and honor your mother, two things it says here. Number one, it'll go well with you, your life. It'll go well with your life. And then number two, you'll live long in the land. So the first way that you can extend your life on the earth, according to scripture, is by properly honoring your father and your mother. People say, well, what if they're not saved? What if they're sinners? You know, what if they're doing their own thing? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're sinners or if they're saved. They're still your father. They're still your mother. And so the, the thing we have to understand is they might be doing crazy stuff. They might be out living crazy lifestyles. You know, it, do, it doesn't matter. The word of God teaches you still honor them. I would. Kelly's, Kelly's asking, when you get married, does that mean your father-in-law and mother-in-law too? I, I would. You know, we honor my father-in-law, mother-in-law. My wife honors my parents. Honor them. You know, the Bible teaches, give honor to who honor is due. And I want to talk about this for a second because here's something in my generation that has been flipped on its ear that people think, well, I'll respect them when they respect me. You know, I'll, I'll give you honor when you honor me. Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that you are to give honor to those who are due honor. And so the by and you say, well, my, my parents aren't due honor. Well, the Bible says they are, well, they don't treat me right. Well, they're, they're not Christians. They're sinners. And they make fun of me for being a Christian and blah, doesn't matter. They're still your honor. They're still your father and mother. And the Bible says to honor them. And so here's the thing. If you, if you haven't thought of this yet, which I'm sure you have, they are also experiencing that honor from you. It's a witness. Did you ever think of that? If you, um, if you are, um, what's the best way to say it? If you are a Christian and your parents are not, they are still watching your life. They're still watching your life that you are being a witness to them by how you represent Jesus and by how you act out or live out the word of God as you're living. So when they see, I mean, you don't think they know when they're being dishonorable to you or when they're disrespecting you, they might be not serving the Lord. They, they know when they're making fun of you. They know when they're not treating you right. They know when they're doing things to annoy you or to get on your nerves or to literally that you might be, they might be trying to fight with you. They know what they're doing, but when they keep seeing that your response to them is honor, 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 you refuse to fight with them. You refuse to get involved in name calling you, any of that stuff. You're not going to do it. You just continue honoring a couple of things. Number one, they see that in you. They see the results or the fruit of your life in Christ that you are honorable as a person. Number two, you are sowing seeds into unsaved parents of honor. You're, you're sowing those seeds of honor into your parents. You're saying, you know what? 
doesn't matter how you treat me. This is how I'm going to treat you. You know, it's the same way when, um, you know, it's the same thing about walking in love with somebody that's not walking in love towards you. It would be easy to walk in love toward people that always are loving us. But you know, Jesus said, love your enemies. He said, because if you only love the people that, are, that love you, you're doing what sinners could do. But what can a Christian do? I can love someone that's my enemy. And so it shows me it has nothing to do with how they treat me. It has everything to do with what the Bible tells me to do in treating them. And so I'm making up my mind as a Christian, it doesn't matter if my parents are Christians or not. The Bible tells me to honor my father and mother. If I will, it'll go well with me and I'll live long in the land. You see that? So number one, it will go well with you. Your life will go well. And so how are, I mean, what do you do? First of all, you honor them with your words. You honor your parents with your words. That's important. You, you also honor them. You may, you may want to bless them, give them gifts, you know, do things like that. Bless them. You know, one of the things I heard Bishop David Oyedepo teaching, which is phenomenal. He said, one of the things you could do, and I know that my father does this, uh, and, and you know, my father and mother are very honorable people. And I know my father does this as well, but one of the things you could always do is set up an account to bless your parents, you know, to where you are literally, doesn't mean you're taking care of them or have to take care of them, but you're just blessing them. You know, imagine if you had that worked into your budget where it's like, I have this much every month for this entertainment, you know, groceries, whatever. And then you had a section of your budget to honor your parents. Imagine that if you did something to honor them. So there are many ways, but you can honor them with your words. You honor them with your actions. You keep them in a place of esteem and you take actions to prove that that's your heart, that that's what you're doing. It's not just about saying it. It's about what you do toward your mother and father. And so you honor them. If you honor your parents, it's very sad to me. You know, one of the things that God's given me a heart for is preachers, kids, but it's very sad to me when I see uh, kids that aren't serving the Lord, preachers, kids not serving the Lord, but have a horrible rep, uh, relationship with their parents. It's very sad. I hate to say, I hate to see it where you've got people who, you know, they grew up in church, their parents raised them in church or whatever. And for some reason or another, they've left the faith. And now they're in a place where they don't even speak to their parents or they don't go to church or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. You know, they, they're not even, they're not even honoring their parents. They won't even speak to their parents, you know, extremely, extremely heartbreaking to see that happen. And so I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter what age you are. <clears throat> doesn't matter what age you are. You might've been to a place to this point in your life. It's not been that great of, of a relationship. Repair it now, repair, begin to honor them now, you know, begin to honor them where you are. That's number one. Number two, I want you to go with me to Proverbs chapter three, and uh, we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. And th this to me is very, very important. This is one of the things. Now, this is where I want to, I want to tell you, because I see this in church. I touched on it yesterday a little bit uh, in the broadcast, but by the way, who is that putting like long comments in the Facebook? Kay Gardner. Kay, or I don't know what Kay is doing, but Kay, Kay's like got so much time to be able to put these long, long comments that have nothing to do with the broadcast. 
I don't know what you're doing. Okay, go back on your medication. Um, <laughs> okay, try to focus on what we're actually teaching on. Um, <laughs> like 90, 90 million word comments. Um, <laughs> cracked myself up. <laughs> Question from Brittany Smallwood on Facebook. What if you continue to try to honor them following the word of God, but uh, everything you do is just dishonorable? But to them, everything you do is dishonorable. Do you continue to try to honor them with the word? Um, yes, because see, they don't define. Here's the thing, Brittany, and that's a great question. Oh, Caitlin, she's saying that Trump's the Antichrist. Okay, go, go somewhere. Um, <laughs> just go sit down. Um, Brittany, that's a great question. She's asking, what do you do if you continue by the word to honor your parents, but they say everything you're doing is dishonorable. Do you continue to try to honor them with the word? Yes, because here's the thing, Brittany, is that they don't define what honor is. The word of God defines what honor is. So your, your parents or your, your father, mother-in-law, they don't get to define what honor is. You know, honor and respect are static things. They're static. If respect is respect, honor is honor. You don't get to determine what honor is. It's honor. And so uh, speaking well of someone, treating them kindly, basically think of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Those things are defined by God, what, how a Christian should act. I walk in love toward them. I walk in joy toward them, peace toward them, gentleness, kindness. I maintain self-control with them. See, that is truly the fruit of the spirit. It's how a Christian should act. They don't get to define what honor is. It's already defined in the Bible. They don't get to define what respect is. It's defined in the Bible. So if I'm obeying the word, if I'm operating in the fruit of the spirit, then that's what I'm called to do. They don't get to redefine that. So you keep doing what you're doing according to scripture and it doesn't, see, here's the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't matter what their reaction is. They might be mad. They might not like you. They might try to irritate you. They might try to yell at you. That doesn't change your action in obedience to the word of God. It's, it'd be in the same way, Brittany, and those that are watching, think of it this way. There's a whole group of people uh, in the world right now that are mad at Christians about our stance on homosexuality or the LGBTQ community that they don't think we should hold the beliefs that we do about what the Bible says about homosexual lesbian relationships. But understand something, I don't change what the Bible says or, or how I obey the Bible or what I believe because somebody's bad, mad about it or because somebody's offended by it. That doesn't have any bearing at all on what I believe or what I'm gonna do as a Christian. Their feelings don't change the word of God. I don't care. I still honor them. I still, you know, I don't treat people um, mean. You know, I don't, I don't dishonor them. I don't call them names. I don't yell at them. I don't, none of that. None of that. I love the LGBTQ community. I love every individual in it. I want them to go to heaven without question. However, I don't have to change my view on LGBTQ away from what the Bible teaches in order to love them. And in the same way, I don't need them to treat me kindly in order for me to treat them kindly. I don't need them to treat me kindly to be comfortable believing what the Bible teaches. I believe it whether they're happy about it or not. I don't change. 
I'm not going to change. And it's, it's not politically correct. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm trying to be scripturally correct. This is what gives you long life on the earth, being scripturally correct. And so I want you to understand that. Don't look, Brittany, at their response to you. Look at what does the Bible say I should be doing and then do it and then let it end there. Because here's what you'll learn. I can't control the actions of others, but I can definitely control my actions. I cannot control the actions of others, but I can control my actions. In fact, I want you to put that in the comments section. I can't control the actions of others, but I can control my actions. It's a huge point to get. It's like when you talk about being offended. Thank you, Edward. And Brittany, I'm sure a bunch of people on the broadcast are experiencing the same thing. So I'm glad you asked that. But, but think about this. Think about with um, Terry still on. What's the secret? <laughs> you got, you're cracking me up, Terry. I can't control the actions of others, but I can control my actions. It's like being offended, right? Think of these two things. There's offended and there's offense. They're two different things. There's offended and there's offense. Here's how it works. If I do something to you that's wrong, I have committed an offense against you. But now it is your choice to look at my offense and, and decide whether or not you'll be offended by it. You see that? I can commit an offense against you. That's my part. But then you can choose whether or not to be offended by my offense. So notice this. Your father-in-law, mother-in-law, father, mother, they could be doing things and committing an offense against you, but then you choose whether or not you're offended by it. If you're not offended by it, then you can continue to walk in love. See, you choose to be offended or not offended. You tell your flesh to shut up. And so you say, you know what? I'll continue walking in love, continue walking in joy, continue walking in peace. That's not changing me. You committed the offense, but I'm not offended. In fact, even when people try, even when people try to uh, insult me, if I've ever had people talking to me online or even if they're bold enough, brave enough to do so, you know, uh, talking to me like that face to face, uh, you can say something that you don't agree with what I preached or what I said. It really doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't care. You can call me a nut job. You can call me a, a you know, a Pentecostal charismatic nut. You can, you know, whatever you want to say. I'm not offended by that. It doesn't, it doesn't make me like re relook at my whole life. I can't believe they called me that. I mean, I didn't think I was a Pentecostal nut. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me. You can say people's words aren't going to put me in a place of offense or depression. I'm not moved by that. I'm not moved by that. Let me give you a, a, a powerful thought that Dr. Reinhard Bonnke shared with us one day when we were at lunch with him. Um, and he was probably one of the greatest evangelists ever walked the face of the earth. He said, a very powerful thing. Listen to this and write it down. If, and when he when I say there, I'm talking about people outside of your life. He said, if their praise can't build you up, then their criticism can't tear you down. Now think about that. If people's praise can't build you up, then the same people's criticism cannot tear you down. Very important. My, listen, your self-esteem, your confidence, your boldness, all that Christ has made you to be, 
should not be determined by whether people praise you or not. It it shouldn't have to be uh, about whether people are speaking well of you or not. That doesn't matter because if you're pleasing the Lord, that's all that matters. In fact, did you know that the Bible teaches us to beware when all men speak well of us? It's actually not going to happen. If you stand for anything at all, there will be people that oppose you. doesn't matter what you stand for. If you stand for something, there will be people that oppose you. So if their criticism, if their praise can't build you up, then their criticism cannot tear you down. That's huge. Live your life like that. Live your life like that. It's, it's, it's empowering. It's freeing to know. I don't care if they like it or don't like it. If God's happy with it, I'm happy with it. That's it. That's it. So in the same way, I don't need people praising me. I don't care if they criticize me either. It's it's either, it's both ways. Does not matter one iota. Doesn't matter to me at all. Shouldn't matter to you. So we honor our parents no matter what. It's not just for little kids. I'm 38 and still honor my parents and will continue to. That's how you continue. Number one, to live a long life. Number two, Proverbs chapter three, the second way that you extend your life on the earth is through wisdom, living in wisdom. This is huge. Living in wisdom. Let me read to you Proverbs chapter three, verses 13 through 17. Powerful. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And the one who gets understanding. So number one, you're blessed if you find wisdom. Verse 14, for the gain from wisdom, it says from her, speaking of wisdom, is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Now look at verse 16, Proverbs 3, 16. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Hallelujah. All her paths are peace. So the second way to extend your life on the earth is to live in wisdom. Live in wisdom. This word is is wisdom. It's pure wisdom. And so obviously that means that we're going to live and obey the things that the Bible commands us to do. They're not there to manipulate us. They're there to bring us into a place of wisdom. And specifically the book of Proverbs is written so that young people and people that are not wise can gain wisdom and understanding. I'll give you an example. Proverbs will tell you some of the most practical things to do that will bring you into a good end that if you would just obey the practical instructions of Proverbs, there, you would, there are the financial problems you wouldn't have, all kinds of stuff, relational problems you wouldn't have, all kinds of things. So think of this, I was in Bible school and there was a guy I knew who started dating a girl out there in, in Oklahoma where I was. Well, she wasn't saved and uh, her father wasn't saved and the guy didn't really have too much money and he didn't have good credit at all. Well, he's dating this girl and just started dating her. And he goes to her, basically works on her emotions and says, listen, I would really, it would be great if uh, you could get your dad to co-sign on a car with me so I could go get a car that I want. 
And so this girl likes him a lot. And she's like, oh, I'll talk to my dad. And so she goes and talks to her dad and um, convinces him to co-sign on a loan for a car for this guy. Well, they go out to the dealership. He gets the car he wants. Well, it's not many months later. The dude is AWOL. He is gone, not paying the car payments. Well, who does that fall back on then? The dad that co-signed on the loan. Now he has to take care of it because it's in his name too. And if he would just have obeyed the book of Proverbs, do you know what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs regarding this? Don't co-sign on a stranger's debt. That's a, that's in the book of Proverbs. That doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? But it's a word from the Lord. Don't co-sign on a stranger's debt. If he would have just followed that one instruction from the book of Proverbs and just said no to co-signing for a stranger's debt, he wouldn't have been any, any of that problem that he was just in. Wisdom. Look at this. All her paths or all her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are peace. That man could have lived in peace instead of dealing with that knucklehead's debt and trying to pay all his car payments when he went absent. If he'd have just had one instruction from Proverbs, don't co-sign on a stranger's debt. So living in wisdom actually not only extends your life, it makes sure all your paths are peace. Because what good, let me ask you this, what good does it do to live a long life if you live a long life of turmoil? If you're living a long life of uh, anxiety and a long life of depression and a long life of sickness. Well, then your life is just full of trouble. Your life, who wants to live a long life full of trouble? On, on the contrary, what you want is a long life full of peace, a long life full of joy. And so living in wisdom, that includes wisdom about the physical body God's given you, the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I'll just say this, Briefly, because I'm, I am in no way uh, any kind of a role model for, you know, health or, or fitness or, or nutrition. I'm in no way that. But obviously, you know, we have to take a look at it. One thing we know is that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul told us that, told the Corinthians that. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you. And so this is the house of the living God. And uh, we're to, not only that, it's the body God's given us that he expects us to steward. And so we look at this, this temple of the Holy Ghost, even Paul says to Timothy, uh, and he's comparing, uh, you know, exercise to godliness. So he says physical exercise profits a little bit, but godliness is profitable unto all things, Right that holds promise in the life now and the life to come. So obviously exercise uh, compared to godliness is, is no comparison at all, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't take care of your body. Of course you should take care of your body. This, you only get one. So, I mean, you got to take care of it. And, and one of the things that I've noticed, not just statistically, but even in church is that they're telling us now, and I, I mentioned this yesterday. Let me go over it again quickly. When you know this, that the average person that's suffering in America, now they've told us this statistically, that they predicted like 10 years ago that one third of Americans by 2020, now that's this year, one third of Americans would have type two diabetes by 2020. It is like, it's blowing up. But they're telling us now, like, listen to this, if this doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. I was reading something the other, like two days ago that said now, 
like 50% of people that are in hospitals or hospitalized are there for metabolic reasons, meaning things that they could literally change themselves if they would discipline their life. For example, type two diabetes, heart disease, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, strokes, all these different things that literally come on us because we make decisions that are not wise. And so there is, without question, there is a benefit of natural wisdom. No question about that. And so when you go and look at a church prayer line, people coming through the prayer line, that's why I said, you know, sometimes preachers have to pray and say, God, continue to give me compassion for the people of God that need help physically, because we understand literally the prayer line could be cut in half if people would, you know, do what the Bible says, care for their bodies and discipline. But that doesn't mean God's not going to help you if you got into a problem that you caused through a lack of wisdom. Of course, God will help you. Of course he will. Listen, if God didn't help us out of problems that we got ourselves into, 90% of the problems we have, we would never get help for. God wants to help you. Of course, he's going to help you. It's just knowing that I wouldn't even have to be in the prayer line if I just use wisdom. And so that, that's the, the point I'm making. One of the ways to extend your life is to use wisdom in our physical bodies. Like until I started looking at it recently, I, I wouldn't even, like I said, I'm not like a role model for nutrition or fitness or, or any of that. But many of you know my eating habits and the Taco Bell drive through But besides the point, um, <laughs> you know, making better choices now. But when you start to read how much you know, refined sugar and simple carbs that Americans consume on a daily basis. It's mind blowing. Like it's no wonder to me why people's bodies fail when, when you see how much of that kind of stuff we're consuming on a daily basis that we're like the only country, one of the only countries in the world that has childhood obesity, have such a massive population that's obese, but you look at why it is. It's because of the fact that people aren't using wisdom. You know, if you think about it, God didn't create refined sugar. I mean, you, you, you know that, right? I mean, that's a man-made thing. There's nowhere on the planet Earth you can go and literally uh, find a little hole in the ground and just start mining white refined sugar. You, you just can't find it. You know, you'll find sugar cane, but it's filled with the fibers. You'll find fruit, but it's filled with fiber. So all these things, we start to realize if we would use wisdom and eat the things God made and cut out the things that man made and preserved and packaged and put on shelves, you know, it would literally help our physical bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we think that that's not a spiritual instruction, but literally it is. Because when you understand God wants you to steward your physical body, then you have to take steps. You know, why would I not eat the things that God created? You know, eat the things God made for me rather than eat things that people made up in a laboratory somewhere, you know, drinking things that came up in a laboratory somewhere and wondering like, like I'll give you an example and I'm not, this is no condemnation cause I've eaten and drank all this stuff, like literally. Um, but you know, I've got a, I've got a monster energy drink, which I can't even drink right now, but a monster energy drink in my refrigerator back home, like a mango flavor, whatever. It's huge. It's like 30, what are those? Like 32 ounces or 24 ounces or something. You look on the back of that can and people love to say, well, look, it's got full B12, but like you look at the back of the can and when you know that the average human being 
shouldn't have more than like 40 grams of uh, sugar a day come through their body. And you look at the back of that one can and it's like 55 grams of sugar in one can, you start to realize what's going on. If my daily intake is supposed to be like 35 to 40 grams of sugar, one drink that I'm drinking is giving me 55 grams of sugar. Well, you can see the problem. And people are pounding this stuff, you know, pounding all kinds of simple carbs and sugars in their drinks. And we wonder why they've proven it's, it's part of cancer. I shared this testimony yesterday. I'm going to share it again today. Pastor Mac Hammond came to um, Brother Mark Hankins camp meeting in Louisiana. We were there for the minister's conference and Pastor Mac Hammond, uh, who pastors in Minnesota, he was diagnosed with cancer. So he started praying. He said, God, heal me of cancer. God said this to him. And I thought this, he gave us this story while we were there. He said, God said to me, I'm going to heal you of cancer. I'm going to completely heal you of cancer. But he said, now I'm going to give you an instruction. When I heal you of cancer, I want you to completely eliminate sugars, refined sugar from your diet. That's what the Lord told him. It's not something he read in a book or got from a doctor. The Lord spoke that to him in prayer. He said, I'll heal you of this cancer, but the next thing I want you to do is cut sugar out of your diet. And so what did Pastor Mac Hammond do out of obedience to the Holy Spirit? God healed him of the cancer. He's cancer free, completely cancer free. And then number two, he obeyed the word of the Lord and cut sugar out of his diet. Well, now if you do the studies for yourself, you know what you're going to find? They're attributing this overconsumption of sugar to a lot of cancers in people now because cancer cells feed on sugar. So it's now we're even seeing it from the natural perspective. But see, the Lord told him that I'll heal you of this. But what's God trying to do? He doesn't want it to be a one time fix. He wants Pastor Mac to be able to live out through the rest of his life with no cancer ever again. Well, what's it going to take? Not just a miracle. It's going to take wisdom in his actions. I'm going to stop fueling uh, the thing that's destroying me. I'm going to live in a way that God prescribed for my life. Wisdom. And the Bible says here, listen to this. Long life is in the right hand of wisdom. Long life is in the right hand of wisdom. It's powerful. You understand this. If we would just live in supernatural wisdom... 90% of problems would leave our life, literally would leave our life. Look at this. The gain is better than silver. The profit's better than gold. Wisdom's more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Long life is in her right hand, left hand, riches and honor. All her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. So literally a peaceful, pleasant, rich life comes from using wisdom. Hallelujah comes from using wisdom. Number three, let me give this to you now. This is uh, the third proven way from scripture to extend your life on the earth. Catch this. It is holiness, holiness, living free from sin, living free from sin. Look at that. Pastor Leanne or Leanne Quinn said, that's my pastor here in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. So Leanne Quinn on YouTube attends uh, Pastor Mac Hammond's church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. We love you guys. We love Pastor Mac uh, and Lynn. Please tell them we love them and appreciate their ministry. Um, number three is holiness. Holiness. Living free from sin. 
will give you a long life on the earth. Let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, powerful, powerful verse. I'm going to give you a few on this one so that you can clearly see from the Word of God. 1 Peter 3.10. Listen to this. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. You see that? If you want to have a long life and, ha and love life and see good days in life, keep your tongue from evil and keep your lips from speaking deceit. Go to Proverbs 10. Listen to Proverbs 10, 27. Here's another one. The, this is, this is powerful. I'm going to, I don't know why this isn't highlighted in my own Bible, but I'm highlighting it. Needs to be highlighted. Highlighted in yours. Proverbs 10, 27. Listen to this. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. So all these years, Billy Joel was wrong when he said only the good die young. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the fear of the Lord, that's holiness. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Will be short. God prolongs the life of his righteous people. If you fear the Lord with your life, if you live in the fear of God, you obey this word, the Bible says it prolongs your life. It doesn't shorten your life. Let me tell you something. When you live free from sin, just imagine the natural benefits. If I don't smoke, if I don't do drugs, if I'm not drinking myself to death, first of all, just by doing those things and not destroying the temple of the Holy Ghost, think of that. No alcohol, which is poison. Even by the way, for all the Christians out there that say, well, I only drink socially and there's nothing wrong with a glass of wine and there's another glass of wine at dinner. Go watch the podcast. If you can handle the cursing between Joe Rogan, uh, and, and, um, I'm trying to remember her name, Dr. Rhonda, is it Rhonda Patrick? You'll, you'll see it. Um, they, they've done three together. She's not a Christian. He's like an atheist. And they're sitting there talking about the fact that all, uh, all alcohol that you consume is simply poison to your body. doesn't matter if you drink it. He asked her on the podcast. He said, what about the people that just, uh, what about the people that just drink a glass of wine with dinner and they drink in moderation? She said, yeah, it's the same thing as drinking poison in moderation. It kills you. It's horrible for every aspect of your body. And so, uh, if I don't drink, if I don't smoke, if I don't do drugs, all these different things, just imagine just by honoring the word of God and honoring the temple, I'm not going to have problems with my liver. I'm not going to have problems with my heart. I'm not going to have problems with my lungs. I'm not going to have problems with, I mean, you go through your whole body. I'm not going to have issues with any of it just because I'm living holy, just by living holy. Well, I'm not sleeping around with a hundred women, you know, going around doing a, no STDs. Wonderful. Wonderful. I don't have to be diagnosed. I don't have to have medication. I don't need treatments. You know, all these different things. You just, you look at just by living holy and just the normal things from living holy will extend your life. Not to mention that the supernatural hand of God is upon you and prolonging you and preserving you and keeping you. Just the natural side. 
on top of the supernatural side. Look at it. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3. I'll give you this one more. 1 Kings 3 and verse 14. Listen to 1 Kings 3, 14. Talking about Solomon. In fact, Solomon asks for wisdom above all else, right? And uh, let me show you this. I'll start with verse 10. 1 Kings 3, 10 through 14. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself, long life or riches or life for your enemy uh, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that you, like you has been before you, none like you shall arise after you. I give also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king will compare with you all your days. Now look at verse 14. Highlight it. Highlight it. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David did, then I will lengthen your days. You see that? If you'll keep my commands and my statutes, and walk as your David, father David walked, I will lengthen your days. You go through New Testament, Old Testament, doesn't matter where you look, with long life will I satisfy thee. You can go to, you can go to Deuteronomy 28 and read the blessings that came on Israel for their obedience. What was it? I'll keep sickness from your midst. I'll keep disease from your midst. I'll keep famine from your midst. I'll bless you financially. And I'll make sure you're preserved and protected and with long life will I satisfy you. Thank you, Carol, for sowing a seed. So you look at that. It is holiness. If you live a holy lifestyle, have you ever seen this? I mean, put your hand up in the comments if you've seen this. You ever seen somebody that's like lived a hard life, you know, like alcoholic, drug addict, whatever. They might be 45 years old and you look at them and they look like they're 65 years old. Put a hand in the comments if you've ever seen this. Somebody that's like 40, 45, but they've lived a hard life. They look 65 or 70. They just look rough, worn down. But then on the other side of that, have you ever seen somebody that has served the Lord faithfully with their life? That literally, they've been a faithful child of God. They might be 70, but they look 50. We got people like that in our church. I look at them. I can't even believe their age. I look at them. Can't even believe their age. I mean, it's amazing. But what's the key? They've lived holy lifestyles. And the Bible says something very interesting. The Bible tells us that God beautifies the meek. Think about that. Look it up. God beautifies the meek. <laughs> so I actually tell people this. Hey, Luenda, I tell people this. God's people are the best looking people. I believe that. God's people are the best looking people. No question. You know, you look at some of these people. I don't, I don't want to name. Uh, 
look at Pastor Jay Atkins said, my uncle died at 46 years old after a lifetime of heroin abuse. And he looked like he was 80 plus at 46. God beautifies the meek. You know, it's like, it's, it's amazing. Like you could look people, look up people that, that are like considered beautiful in the world, you know, models or actresses that but they, you know, they look, they, they live hard lives. Like they, they're partying, you know, you, you, you watch it, go look them up. They look rough. They look rough. I mean, they look rough. All these, all these women that are on posters and movie posters that are being photoshopped to the nth degree because they look rough. You look at them in real life, partying, sleeping around, drinking, getting drunk, doing drugs. They look rough. Yeah, take away the makeup in Photoshop. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. Doesn't even look like the same person. You know why? Because sin takes a toll on your body. Sin is a destructive force. You know, here's what's crazy. If you look at what the Word of God teaches, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It's not just eternal death, which is hell. But on top of that, if you engage in sin in your life, it begins to destroy what area, whatever area of your life you're engaging in it with. So for example, if you're doing drugs all the time, that's a sin against your body. That sin is going to take natural destructive toll on your body. Sin always brings forth death. Always, always look at, look at what a meth addict looks like missing teeth, looking rough, always scratching, you know, I mean, rough. And I have a heart for them. I'm not saying that I'm not making fun of them. It's the toll that it takes on your body. And without question, sin takes a toll on your body. Holiness is number three. It is a proven biblical way to prolong, extend your life on the earth and you'll live a long life. He will satisfy you, not just with regular life, but a peaceful life, a joyful life, a blessed life. Holiness brings the blessing of God. If you didn't know that, look at the book of Job chapter 36, verse 11. Job 36, 11. If they listen and serve God, it's to him talking about God, they will complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. Think about that. They'll complete their days in prosperity, their years in pleasantness. What does the Bible say in Psalm 84, 11? God will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. That's you and that's me. Not one good thing will be withheld from us when we live holy. What does Matthew 6, 33 say? If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. You can't say it, well, that means spiritual things, but no, read the context of Matthew 6. Jesus is talking about where to live, where to sleep, what to eat, what to wear. Talking about natural things, Jesus is. And he said, but if you'll seek the kingdom first and his righteousness first, all these other things that sinners are banging their head against a wall and working three jobs to get, he'll be just adding them to your life. Holiness is the master key to blessing in any person's life, without question. And let me give you this number four uh, before I pray for you today. The fourth proven biblical way 
to extend your life on the earth is to be led by the spirit of God. Be led by the spirit of God. The leading of God's spirit. He never leads you into destruction. He leads you into blessing. He leads you into health. He leads you into peace. He doesn't lead you into destruction. God doesn't want to destroy you. God doesn't want to destroy you. Be led by the spirit of God. Let me give it to you from Acts chapter 21. Go with me to Acts 21. And I'll show you this. The Holy Spirit will warn you ahead of time. He'll warn you ahead of time. Pastor Wes Falloon up in uh, Maine. Love you, buddy. Glad you're on today. That's a fire preacher right there. He's a fiery man of God. Um, I want to show you this. Led by the Spirit. If you'll be led by the Spirit. The Bible says all that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. All that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the sons of God, that's you and me, we should be led by the Spirit. Leading us, guiding us into all truth. That even means the decisions we should make should be led by the Spirit. Especially important life decisions. And so, I want you to see this. Um, Acts 21 is an interesting story. Uh, there might be people that disagree with me on this, but look at plainly how, how it happened. Acts 21, Paul is made up his mind. Acts 21, we're going to start reading with verse 10. Acts 21, 10. Paul has made up his mind to go to Jerusalem. And he's going to go to Jerusalem, do his thing. And as he's on his way to Jerusalem, look what happens. The Bible says in Acts 21, 10, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us. Now look what he did coming to us. He took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. That's a prophetic word from a prophet. The Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt just like this and deliver him over to the Gentiles. Speaking of the Romans. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Now, here's a question for you. Is this not the Holy Spirit giving Paul foreknowledge of what's going to happen when he goes to Jerusalem? Absolutely it is. It is a prophet. The Bible outlines that. Agabus is a prophet of God who gives Paul a prophetic word from the Lord that when you go to Jerusalem, they're going to capture you. They're going to bind you and deliver you over to the Gentiles. 
So here's the question at this point. Now the church is distraught. They love Paul. They don't want to see him bound and captured and delivered over to the Gentiles. So they're pleading with him. Don't do it. Don't go to Jerusalem yet. Don't do it. My belief is this. Now you believe what you want. Paul has a free will. When the Lord gave the word to Paul through Agabus, now Paul has a choice. Okay, I heard the word from the Lord. Do I go to Jerusalem? Or do I continue on doing my travels and preaching and establishing churches and building up the saints? Which do I do? And Paul has made up his mind and he tells the church, quit crying. I'm not worried about being captured. I'm ready to give my life. I'm ready to lay it down for the gospel's sake. Well, we get a little bit more insight into this when Paul gets to Rome after being captured. He is captured in Jerusalem, just like the word of the Lord said. He's captured. He's delivered over to the Romans, and then he's taken to Rome. And that's where he writes his last letters, and he's writing to Timothy. First and second Timothy, last two letters Paul ever wrote, and he wrote them from Rome, and he wrote to his son in the gospel. But what does he say to Timothy? I have run my race. I have finished my course. I've run my race. I have finished my course. My personal belief is that the Holy Spirit, even knowing that Paul had run his race and finished his course, we know that's, that's true and it's not just Paul's opinion because all scripture is inspired by God. What Paul wrote to Timothy was inspired by the Holy Spirit. When Paul said, I've run my race, I've finished my course, that's the Holy Spirit inspiring him to write that. And so it was true. He had run his race. He had finished his course. Though he had, my personal belief, this leading of the Holy Spirit was God saying to Paul, you, I'll give you an opportunity to do more if you'd like to do more. If you'd like to keep preaching, if you would like to keep planning churches, if you'd like to keep traveling, if you'd like to keep impacting the body of Christ, I'll let you do that. You don't have to go to Jerusalem right now and be captured and be given over to the Gentiles. You can go longer if you'd like to. But what did Paul battle? What did Paul deal with in his own life? He was always having a desire to go to heaven. Now, if, you, if you read his letters, you know what he said? He said, you know, it's, it's better for me that I die and go to heaven. That's a better for me. But then he said this, it's better for you that I stay here and continue teaching and training you. Uh, so to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The Bible says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And Paul, I believe even since he had this time where he was caught up into the third heaven and knew the glories of God to the point, he said, there's stuff I saw that I can't even tell you. I can't even express them to you. They're too holy to even speak about. I believe Paul had such a desire to go and be with Jesus that he said, you know what? I have completed my course. I have run my race. That's all I want to do. I want to go be with the Lord. I want to go to heaven. I've done all that I've been called to do. It's like Dr. Lester Sumrall. You know, he, he had uh, always kept with him a notepad and a pen. And God would always give him the next project, the next word, the next thing. And Dr. Sumrall would open it and he'd write that thing that God gave him. But there was a day that came 
that he opened up that notebook to write down the next thing from the Lord and the Lord didn't speak anything to Dr. Sumrall, nothing. And so he closed up his notebook and put away his pen and said, well, if the Lord has nothing else for me, then I guess my time on the earth is finished. And do you know the next week, Lester Sumrall went to heaven. Why? He had run his race. He had completed his course. Do you know what Brother Hagin said? He prophesied this about his own life. He said, you know how I'm going to go to heaven? Not, not sick or diseased. He said, I'm going to come downstairs in my house, sit down at my kitchen table, eat my berries and cream for breakfast and give up the ghost and go to heaven. I feel the Holy Ghost just telling you the story. And do you know at 86 years old, 86, Brother Hagin came downstairs. There were members that were staying with he and Mom Hagin at the time of Rama Singers and Band. He came down the stairs. He got, sat down at the table. They brought him his berries and cream. He ate his berries and cream. And you know what they said he did? After he finished them, he put his head down. He put his, his chin down on his chest. It looked like he closed his eyes. It looked like he went to sleep. He gave up the ghost. Ate just like he said he would. You can have what you say. He put his chin to his chest, ate his berries and cream, and afterward just gave up the ghost. He'd run his race. He'd finished his course. He'd been led by the Spirit of God for his entire life. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing on this today. I hope you can sense what I'm sensing here in the studio. Brother R.W. Shambach, who preached for his entire ministry in the cities of America and around the world, who saw probably millions of people come to Jesus through his ministry. He sat in a recliner in his home on the day he went home to be with the Lord. He sat there and his granddaughter's husband, who was staying with him at the time, said he, from the morning until the night, and the Holy Ghost is on this, I'm sharing something with you. From the morning till the night, Brother Shambach would, he started off singing. He held a whole service from his armchair in his, in his living room. He started off singing, did the whole praise and worship service himself. And then he started preaching to take an offering, preached, received an offering from the lazy boy. And then he preached a message. Literally in the chair, he preached a message. When he was done preaching, he started singing again, prayed for the people. And then he started singing, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half won't do. Oh, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half won't do. And when he did that, the next time he started singing it, he got up out of the lazy boy and he took off as he was singing it again. I'm running, trying to make a hundred and took off running around his living room and collapsed and fell down dead, ran right into heaven ran right into the glory of God. These men, Brother Hagin, Brother Shambach, uh, Brother Sumrall, and Paul the Apostle himself, they knew one thing. What was it that they knew? They'd run their race. They'd finished their course. And when you run your race, you don't have to be sick to die. You don't have to be weak to die. You can literally run your race. I feel the anointing. You can finish your course and you can give up the ghost. You don't have to be weak to die. You don't have to be sick to die. You can run your race, finish your course, and you can give up the ghost. With a long life will he satisfy you. You can extend your life on the earth. How? By honoring your parents, by living a holy life, by using wisdom, and by being led by the Spirit of God. 
if you'll do these things. The Bible says long life will be your story. Long extended life will be your story. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you. Those of you that are watching today, I want to pray that God would bless you as you live holy, as you live in wisdom, as you live in honor, and as you're led by the spirit. I'm going to pray today that God would put his mighty hand of blessing upon your life and extend your life so that if Jesus tarries, you'll not die early. You'll not die of sickness and disease. You'll die strong knowing you've run your race and finished your course. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman that's watching this broadcast or listening on the podcast. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that today you would bless every one of them. I pray, Lord, that you would put your hand of mercy, blessing, and anointing upon every life. Give us a hunger to live honorably. Give us a hunger to live in wisdom. Give us a hunger to live holy. Give us a hunger to be led by the Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your glory and your power and your anointing that you've extended to every one of us. And Lord, today, we thank you that we will be set head and shoulders above the rest because of your favor and your glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, if there's people watching me today or listening that are sick and diseased, I loose divine virtue into their body right now. I take authority over sickness and disease. I command it to leave your body today. Be made whole in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, for those that are battling anxiety or depression, I loose joy and peace. I command anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. Leave them today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you praise for your goodness, your mercy. You are good and your mercy does endure forever. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you receive it, throw some fire in the comments section. Let me know you believe that and you'll receive it. Today's your day to receive the goodness of God. Let me encourage those of you that are watching. I want to challenge you before we go to sow a seed by faith, to stand with this ministry partnership and allow us to do what God's called us to do. You know, the Lord is the one who brings the increase to your life and to mine and to this ministry, to your business, to your family. I told you before, we're getting ready to do some of the largest things we've ever done. Of course, you see, we're sitting in the brand new Miracle Word Studios today. We don't owe a dollar to any man for anything. There's no debt in this ministry for any reason. But we're getting ready to step out and go on television. We're going to go into 80 million homes in phase one on three continents of this earth and touch people with the gospel of Jesus Christ every single week. Phase two, we're adding 39 million more people throughout every island of the Caribbean. And then phase three, through a television in Pakistan that we're talking with right now, we're gonna to touch 180 million, or excuse me, 108 nations of the world. Millions upon millions of people touched by the gospel. And you know what, you play a part in that. When you stand with us by sowing seeds and partnering, you're standing with us and you actually get to reap reward. God accredits these things to your account in heaven as well. We're doing it as the family of God. It's not about superstars in the body of Christ. It's about the family of God joining together and doing what we're called to do. So I want to say thank you and I love you. Thank you for standing with us. It's very easy to sow a seed or partner with us. You can go to miracleword.com, wherever in the world you're watching from. You can go to miracleword.com, click on the give page or the partner page to sow a seed, or you can set up an account and set up a monthly seed that you'd like to sow. If you're in the United States, you can use Cash App or Venmo or PayPal to sow your seed. Or right now, if you're watching on Twitter, Periscope, or Facebook, you can put hashtag donate 
in the comments section and sow a seed like Cora did earlier. And uh, it's very easy to do. We love you and appreciate you. For everybody that's sowing this month, $85 or more, our gift to you is this classic by Dr. Lester Summerall, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. We're going to send this to you as a gift for sowing $85 or more if you would like to receive it. We want to know where to send it. So go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Please fill out the form so we know what address to send this to you and uh, we'll get it out ASAP. It's a classic. It's a must read book on the gifts of the spirit. And then for those that are sowing largely and many people are thousand dollars or more this month, we're going to add on to that as well. This brand new book I just released. This is a limited edition hardcover further faster how to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. We're going to send you this hardcover signed as well as this is one of my favorite study Bibles that there is the life application study Bible in genuine leather, new living translation. We're going to send this to every one of you as well. Uh, this is now the best selling study Bible in America. And we're going to give you a genuine leather copy as well to say, thank you for standing with us. You know, there's people that have businesses, ministries, uh, people that are sowing largely from their own personal accounts to push the gospel forward. And we say, thank you. It means a lot. And you're making an impact in the world. Uh, don't forget. I wanted to say this before we go to Carolyn's brand new books available in ebook or paperback version. You can get it in pretty much every territory on Amazon, or if you like ebooks, you can get it on Kindle. You can get it on uh, Apple books as well. Same with my book further faster ebook is now available. Don't forget to check out Miracle Word U when you get a chance uh, because those courses will bless you and equip you uh, for what God's called you to do. I'm very, very excited about it. Hey, if you've got kids, let me say this before I sign off. If you've got kids, my daughter Maddie, who's in the studio today, her and my, my daughter Brooklyn have launched a, a vlog on YouTube and every week they're uploading uh, videos for your kids. Um, you can literally go to miraclewordkids.com not only is there a ton of resources that are free there for your children, our August Bible reading mission, but this right here that you see on the screen, uh, the Miracle Word Kids vlog every single week. It's awesome because Maddie is not only shooting it, she edits it. She does the audio, the graphics, the thumbnail. She does everything you see. And um, it's awesome. It's something for your kids to get involved with. There's going to be more, more content coming out uh, very soon for Miracle Word Kids as well. I love you guys so much, man. Thanks for hanging with me today. Uh, I'll be back in the morning again, 1030 AM. If you didn't get a chance to share the broadcast, please take a minute to share it. This is an important message, man. I love you guys very much and uh, look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Have a powerful and a blessed day and I'll see you soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.